The following podcast is brought to you by Love Chatham, providing help for the homeless and hungry in the name of Jesus for those in and around Chatham County, North Carolina at chathamhomeless.org. Hey, welcome back to episode 247 of Amen, Brother Ben. This is the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. Been a few weeks, but we're back with a very special guest on the show to wrap up our series, uh, the Soul Rest Remix. The Soul Rest Master himself, C to the Z. All right, CZ, what's up, buddy? Man, what's going on? I don't know about the word Soul Rest Master, the but uh, <laughs> yeah, excited to talk to you. Well, you literally wrote the book on it, so that's that's what I figured. Um, now, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Curtis Zachary, the author of the book Soul Rest, which is kind of where I got the inspiration. Obviously, you got the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord, um, to to talk about this, and that's been. You were, I don't want to say you were a uh, a Renaissance man, but you kind of, in my life at least, paved the way for. Um, more and more kind of confirmation uh, in the culture about how badly we need to find and keep and hold on to soul rest. And I'm like your book. And then we talked about some of the other books I have in our church. And I think you and I have talked about it in the past about how we're not the only ones feeling like something ain't right. Yeah. I think it's really uh, clear that our cultural way of living is one that is indicative upon uh, working, making, doing, proving, going, and uh, all of our identity is determinate upon our ability to do those things. And I think every single person, when they're honest with themselves, recognize uh, how that's not sustainable. Uh, there's got to be a point where um, you recognize it's just not enough. And I think, uh, to your point, we all reach that determination point in different ways. I think for me, uh, that journey looked like experiencing a real reckoning of what is my identity uh, connective to what I do for God and how does that really play into how he sees me mm. and ultimately recognizing in the midst of, uh, for me, a season of time lived in a very under-resourced community with a lot of different challenges, a lot of different needs. Um, there was never a stopping point where you would say, okay, this is good enough or we've done enough or we've achieved what we need to achieve just felt like the more you did, the more you realized there was more to do. And so yeah. at a certain point, you know, you just recognize something needs to change or I'm just not going to make it. Yeah. And, you know, you have the, um, you know, for those of you that are, that don't know the history, uh, CZ or Curtis Zachary, he, uh, him and I met, uh, back in dude, 2013, we're going, we're getting close to a decade. Um, wow, that's awesome. uh, and CZ came to a couple of my uh, youth group camps to serve as, as camp pastor and, uh, really made an impact on our kids. And, and we've sort of kept up on and off since then. And one of the things I noticed about you from the jump was you were, you had the opportunity to be super busy. Right. And I think there was a, again, a spell where you were, you know, busier than even I could fathom where you were like jet hopping and you were going all around the country and, and, and in demand. And then you kind of reached that point where, um, I think you realized that, um, good things aren't always God things. Like there's, 
you, there's a lot of good things. Like I, I wasn't too worried about you being tempted by you know terrible, overtly sinful things in your life. It was uh, too many good things that you did that there was not discernment. Uh, put into to whether you should say yes or no to is that kind of am I am I kind of getting that right I mean is that kind of what was happening in your life yeah I mean it's definitely a part of that I think the most interesting thing for a lot of people is to arrive at a place like that which I did is not malicious in intent it's not a desire to become or be or do something for the sake of your own um importance uh or uh you know renown all of those things came from uh, a genuine and honest desire to serve god well so yeah. all of the yeses to do all of those things whether it was travel to a place to speak at a place or to be at a place or do a thing were really with this hope to say um i'm doing what i think god expects for me to do so it's actually more tricky because it, like you said, it's not a nefarious thing. It's not like mm. something was super shady. It was actually with good intentions. But in my good intentions, I started to realize I was operating outside of the way that God intended for humanity to operate. Because mm. from the very beginning, God created humanity not first to do for him, but first to be with him. And mm. what I was ceasing to do in my doing and going and working and building for God was basically be with God. So to mm. sum it all up, <laughs> I was doing a lot of good work for God. I'm not sure I was doing that work with God. And that's a sobriety in itself. That's something that makes you say, yeah. wait a minute, something needs to change. That's, and I think we mistake the, the service of God for his presence. And then we wonder why we don't feel energized. We don't, we feel burnt out. We feel, you know, I'm doing what I think, you know, I'm doing Jesus-y things and I'm not being filled with, you know, supernatural Holy Spirit energy and contentment and all this stuff. And we, it, it kind of uh, goes to the detriment of our faith and uh, because we're thinking, Hey, this God thing's not working. That's right. Yeah. yeah and I, I think one of the things that really helped me, um, uh, and this is getting more into, I guess, a practical application, but sure. uh, there's two words that are really important for me nowadays that really help us to determine where we are in rhythm with God, because um, the first question we should ask if there's something on the horizon for us to give our lives to is, well, can we do this thing that we're supposed to do? Mm. And the reality is because of, um, you know, our, our willingness to give ourselves to learn and to grow um, our desire to serve God well, um, the advent of YouTube, like we can figure some stuff out. Yeah. So the answer to the question, can you do this thing is more than likely 99% of the time going to be yes. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. Sure. I can help with that. Or I could start that. Or I could build that. Or I could be here. And again, with all good intentions, but the really important word is, should we do that thing? Can I do it is one thing. Mm -hmm. But then it tightens the filter when I say, I should do that. And the word should really helps me to see whether or not what I'm giving my life to is truly the thing that I feel like God is stirring up inside of me. Yeah. Or is it just me coming up with more ways to work, to do, to prove? Yeah. Uh, or is this something that God is really leading me towards? Mm. That's good. That's a, that's a good uh, 
and so so that kind of filters into every decision that you make and um and i think most of us we we say the should we get a lot of i'm trying to think of the best way to put this we think well this is objectively a good thing and so it, it's a little bit easier it, it takes a little less prayer you know we're all about streamlining things and doing things the quick way and the automated way so it's like we like to put things in a certain box we like to put tasks or um you know whatever you would you would do in your schedule we like to put that in a certain box that says all this stuff is good because it's morally good and we don't we don't uh, often enough ask ourselves those questions, you know, just because we could doesn't mean we should. Um, let me ask you, cause I want to kind of filter, cause I, you said you want to get practical and I agree. That's what, that's what this podcast is for. We've talked, you know, we finished out our series here at, at Freedom Family Church about soul rest again. And, um, these podcasts are meant to get a little bit more hands-on, you know, boots on the ground about how exactly you did that, or we, we could do that. And that's why I really am glad to have you uh, here with us today, because you've kind of walked through that uh, in some pretty detailed, pretty uh, drawn out ways in your own life. And so I'd love to kind of pitch these three, like, like the three sermons of this series were leave room for Jesus, come to the table and reject expectations. And that was just my attempt to try to uh, condense a lot of what your book talked about, a lot of what the scriptures say, and these other books I've read talked about into some kind of actionable things here. But I would love to see how exactly you did those things in your life. What I mean, and I know your your life is very different. If you don't know, he's a he's a on leadership at a Church of the City um, in Franklin, Tennessee, and you're and we're going to talk a little bit more about what else you've been up to lately. And so. Uh, we know that your life is probably uh, different than what CZ's is right now, but tell us some, or, or if you don't mind, kind of dive into some specifics of how you did these things. Like, for instance, let's start with leaving room for Jesus. How did you make uh, room in your life? What What did you cut? What did you keep? What did that look like with your family? Because now you're a you know you're a father and a husband. Um, how did you leave room for Jesus while having time for all these other demands? Yeah, I think one of the most important things that we can do when it comes to establishing healthy rhythms is be intentional. Um, I think a lot of times we think uh, things will kind of fall into our lap. Like we'll just almost accidentally figure out how yeah. to find rest uh, along the way because we're doing good things. Uh, we're giving our lives to the things that we, like you said, determine as morally good or important for God. And we make these determinations. And then we think because we're doing all of those things, there will be some sort of reciprocation, like almost like a reward that, hey, like, I'll give you a break here because you did all this stuff for me. <laughs> and what I realize is because we're the ones who are determining what is good and right and important for God so many times, uh, we don't realize that we need to be the ones who are intentional to stop long enough to not only say, what am I supposed to do for God? But really, more importantly than that, be intentional to say, uh, God, show me what to want. <laughs> show me what it means for me to uh, hear from you in such a way that you would lead, guide, and direct what my life looks like lived for you. Like, it's so weird because the Bible is filled with all of these reminders that God provides what he requires. Mm -hmm. And so often we try to determine in our strength, in our will, in our limited understanding, what we think is best for God. 
and we forget, maybe we can just ask God ourselves to the places where we're supposed to give our lives. And so that's what I mean in the way of uh, leaving room for Jesus when it comes to what we're even doing for Jesus. But then I think in the way of restoration and wholeness and health, uh, the intentionality to say, I'm going to schedule time to make space so that there would be an opportunity to give me the rest that I need. Uh, Sadly, we don't prioritize that type of uh, engagement with God. So therefore, uh, we miss the opportunity to see it happen. Because here's one of the things that leads to us not being uh, intentional is that we equate rest and laziness so often. And I think that's Mm. something that is terribly, terribly uh, overdone. (laughs) And when we rest, we feel like, man, I'm not doing enough. I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. I'm not filling the blank. And I think when that happens, we negate what is possible from an encounter with God. But if we're intentional and we say, I prioritize this room for Jesus, this encounter with him, not only to experience the connection with him, but also to experience guidance and direction in how I'm supposed to live, then we'll find health in life and home. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a, a misconception. The hustle culture is definitely yeah. real and it sounds good. Like, yeah, get out there and make it. And, and, you know, Gary Viet, you know, who yeah. big deal on YouTube. And, and so you, you get that mentality of like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, and right. so well, how how did you do that with your with your hustle with your you know how were you intentional like what does what does that look like in your day to day and your week to week and 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 building on out to like rhythms of your of the seasons of your life? Yeah, so if there was a sentence that summarized all of that, I would say it's important to realize that you give your life to what you value, and mm-hmm. whether you know it or not, you're giving your life to something. So yeah it's important to know that what you choose to give your life to is truly the tell of what it is that you value in your rhythms. And so I started to look at what I was giving my life to. And I started to realize that so often, even though I was giving my life to a lot of work for God, it was not given over to the room for him to do what he would want to do in our midst. And so um, one practical way that I did that is I started to look at the way that I spent my time, almost just like I would a, a budget, you know, like a financial mm-hmm, budget. Mm-hmm. And I would say, this is where I'm spending my time. And what that did for me was remove any ambiguity around like what time looked like. Cause like, for example, how often do we say things like, man, I don't really have enough time to read or I don't really yeah. have enough time to, and we're probably right in our assumption but technically, we don't really know for sure whether or not that's true. <laughs> and so it's just like if I say, I don't think I have enough money to buy one of those things. Like right. until I print out my bank statement, mm-hmm. look at all of my money, see how I'm spending it and figure out where my money's going. I can't accurately say I don't have that much money. And I think the same thing is true about time. And so when I started looking at my time, I started saying, I want to experience this connection with God. I want to take some time to pray and to walk and to meditate and to get into some rhythms. So I started to budget my time. I started to say, look at my time. Let me see where it is. And so I started to schedule in some ways that I can get some time alone, that I can read, that I can study. 
The other thing is I started to incorporate it into my family rhythms to the point where it's a point of conversation. So it's mm-hmm. something that becomes important to all of us, not just to me, but to all of us, we start to say the valuation of um, rest and sustainability is something that we're all thinking about. So mm-hmm. the way that we schedule things as a family, we don't take on too much. We're trying not to overcommit ourselves. And these are really super practical things, but they start to lead to uh, a life that is more centered around us finding sustainability and health. That's great. Yeah. And, and having the family in the loop on that is it's forming for them, right? It's a blessing for them, but also it makes, uh, it may, cause, cause you are living in the same sort of ecosystem there where, um, if, if you're doing this and nobody else is, I mean, you could still, I mean, you're, you could still lead in that, but it's, it's, the rhythm is a lot easier when your whole family situation uh, kind of yeah. knows those same priorities and, and expects as much. Um, yeah, man. I, I think that's true with any goal that we set. You know, yeah. I think about, yeah. you know, people who want to experience weight loss. I think about people who want to find different ways to uh, experience, you know, different new things that they want to add into their family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do it together, it builds in some accountability and also some energy directional yeah. toward what you're trying to accomplish. And I think it's really important to do that. And that kind of uh, leads in really well to the, to the second statement that we've been looking over, which is, you know, come to the table. Um, and this idea of uh, making uh, an appointment for your family, whether you're a, you know, whether by the way, this this doesn't have to look like the nuclear family, the wife and two kids or whatever. Right, right, right. It can be whatever family structure you have or, you know, your neighbors are, are friends and family or whatever. But having an appointment um, with the people that are close to you that you live your life with uh, to sit yeah. around a table and give yourself to that um whether it's and again i know not everybody can but this is something i talked about in the sermon i know not everybody can cook so go order in and bring it back to the house or go out to eat or something but how has uh, has your since this uh soul rest process that you've been in for the past couple years um has has that affected your table at your house yeah i think it's not only a familial buy-in and connection but it's also i think uh, communal connection. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think the table is affected. It's funny, like just in a grand sense, it's really interesting how there are multiple times where I'll be talking to somebody in, uh, in the dynamic of relationship and I'll just kind of let them know that this is, uh, something that is really important to me. And so inside yeah. of that whole thing, it's, uh, Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> that's okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Real life. You go, yeah, that's right. That's Somebody right. actually just brought us dinner. Wow. So, <laughs> there you go. That's uh, very funny. The table is made for you, man. That's the God's provision, baby. You just said. You just said you don't have to be the one who cooks. And there you go. Boom. So basically, uh, in communal settings, there's this understanding that this way that I want to live is something that I've established as a rhythm in our family. And it's something that I want to be a part of how it interacts with other people that I know. And what's so cool is there have been times where my friends on my behalf 
have told other people, like, so say somebody comes up and says, uh, hey, do you think CZ would be interested in speaking at our gathering or helping with this event? And I've had my friends on my behalf say things like, well, you know, he tries not to fill his schedule up too much, so mm. uh, he probably wouldn't want to do that. Mm. Now, <laughs> it's mm. funny because there's certain times where I wasn't able to make that um you know, like I would, I would have actually done that thing, but yeah, yeah. but what was cool is that they were able to fight on my behalf and say we want to try to fight and protect him and like yeah. do things to contend. So what our table looks like at times is us surrounding folks in our sphere, in our rhythm of life that are wanting to dialogue and be intentional about these things and and making room at the table. It's also kind of fighting for ways to be able to enter into that with other people because. You even alluded to, you know, there's folks in our community who don't have a nuclear family or single parents and uh, have adoptive kids, have situations like that. And when you start talking about things like, oh, building in rhythms of rest and finding ways to, you know, regulate your schedule. And they're like, ha, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's a joke. Funny. <laughs> because yeah. Our life is just so crazy. And so to that end, one of the things that we found is, not only is it important for us to value this intentionally, but it's also important for us to figure out how can we enter in alongside other people so that this will be a reality for everyone. And so yeah. that's a communal aspect to it. So the table really represents that in some ways. Well, and, and I like how you, you, you highlighted there what I think many of us feel. It's like, this is, this sounds great, but it's a little pie in the sky. It's a little, you know, uh, that sounds like something right. out of Prairie, you know, or what's that little house on the Prairie. Um, but that is, that is what, why I think this leads into that, that third statement from our series that we have to reject expectations. And you said it, you said it really good here at the a few minutes ago where you said, you know, you, what you invest your time in shows, I, th I can't remember how you said it exactly, but it's like what you, what you make time for is what you, it, it proves to the world what's important to you. And yeah. so if you reject the expectation that, um, I don't know, you're going to all, you know, your kids are going to be involved in three sports and karate and boy scouts and everything like that. Or, you know, you and your wife are going to, uh, go out with friends at the same rate as when you were 20, <laughs> you know, or whatever. It's like, there are some expectations that are, that are made of us that, um, we do have. And it was, yeah, it sounds like it's helpful for you to have friends that are sometimes rejecting those expectations for you. Um, yeah. but <laughs> Is there other types of expectations that you have said, you know, because here, here's the, we feel that need to go, well, we've, I've got to work 50 hours this week because we got to have instead of 40 hours or 35 hours or whatever, because we have to have this type of lifestyle or we have to have the, this, we have to have this subscription to this streaming. So, you know, the, the, the entertainment, the as much money as we put into entertainment, I felt some conviction about that lately because it's like, we say, oh, you know, movies and TVs, that's not really a big deal to our family. But then I look at how many subscriptions we have. <laughs> right. And I'm like, right. oh, my gosh. You know, so it, has there been specific expectations in your life that you've had to say, I know that's what the world wants for me, but I know that if I don't reject it, then then I will lose my, my soul rest. Yeah, I think this might be overly simplistic, but I feel like it's the baseline for what mm -hmm. you're asking. Um 
you know, I am a very relational person and I love to connect with people and I live in a relatively small town. So I know a lot of folks and we see each other pretty often and I bump into people at coffee shops and we hang out and whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in one of those brief interactions where somebody will say something to the effect of like, Hey man, well, what you been up to lately? And there's this natural temptation Mm -hmm. within us an expectation that I would say, well, you know, I've just been running around. I've been doing some stuff. I've been going here and there. I've been really busy. Right? busy. I'm busy, and but what, good, but good. Yeah, <laughs> right. but I'm busy. Yeah. And I think there's this temptation on my side to say that I'm busy, to show that there's some sort of significance to the way that I'm living my life. There's also a level of expectation from the person who's asking for me to say I'm busy to show that I'm actually doing something. And so one of the ways that I've had to reject that expectation is to not only seek to embody this idea practically in the way that I live that there would be rest, but also seek to communicate that I'm embodying this way. So one of the things that rejects that expectation, and to be quite honest, is kind of striking for people sometimes is when people are like, hey, man, you've been running around, you're probably really busy. And I'm like, Nah, I'm not busy at all. (laughs) And to their ears, what our instinctual response is, is, oh, well, you're not doing anything or you're being lazy or you're not performing or you're not. But really, we need to normalize the idea that it's okay to not be busy. The other thing I would say, too, and it comes to rejecting expectations, is recognizing that there are going to be times where there's a lot of stuff to do. So, like hear me say like there are seasons that are definitely filled with different things that we have to take care of but one of the ways that i reject the expectation is i have changed the language and how i talk about it i don't say that i'm busy in this season i would say i'm appropriately full in this season (laughs) yeah and so what that does is remove the connotations because busyness basically dictates that the situation in my life is uh driving me i'm Mm, only reacting mm. to what the situation you're reactive not proactive that's exactly right and if i say oh no i'm full what i'm basically saying is oh i'm aware that there's a lot to do i see it and i'm going to approach it appropriately now there may be times where there is a lot of work we do work hard at times but there's a difference between busy work and appropriately proactive fullness (laughs) and i think that's where we need to be so one of the ways that we reject that is in our language, in how we approach mm. the way that we live. That's great. And, and again, it's little things like that that may, may seem insignificant, but it, you're, you're preaching this to yourself as well. You're, you're, right. and, and to your kids and to your, your spouse or your friends or your you know, significant other. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really important. Words do matter. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, and and what you know and part of why i know that this works is cuz you're right there are moments like for instance you know my retired parents shouldn't be as busy at, or or should be appropriately less full than me as you know a 30 some year old with four kids and you know it's it's there's a different season for that and we we do have to to recognize that but i think if we are in continual um 
conversation with God about these things. And he's able to, his spirit is able to whisper like, this is not of me. Like, this is not what, what I have for you. I think we'll be able to, uh, to be more proactive about when to say no, when to prune, when to call away. But I know that like all of this stuff kind of coming together, um, you know, these, uh, these different ideas, uh, it takes me back to this. I think it was the second summer that, that you did summer camp for us, at least 2015. And, you know, we, we were talking about the table. We were talking about, you know, finding time to, to sit. I think that, that our uh, connection and our friendship went to another level because every night we would get done with, with uh, our youth groupy things and we would go to the sheets um, yeah, man. Yeah, and and we had we ordered like everything on that menu throughout yes. the week. It was like, all right, we going, we doing this, and we would leave out, yes. and we had that that kind of uh, that appointment in the evening where we know we were going to throw down grub wise, and uh, and and we would just enjoy that you know the few minutes where it was it was not about the bit the again quote busyness or the fullness of of the day or of the moment and it was more about recharging and and connecting on a relational level and um i i could see that as being like something that that we need to it's not just oh that was fun for a week but that i would love for us for in our families in our um you know and in our culture us to look forward to uh, a time you know whether it be the table or whether it be that time with god where we're we're finding our place to uh to push everything out to silence our phone to shut off all our devices and and to uh, to rest in Christ again, and and then we look forward to that like we did at that summer camp. Because remember, we would be like, "Hey, we got like an hour, and then we about to go oh, yeah, man. mac and cheese bites." <laughs> will be in my belly. Oh, yeah, it was on. It was on. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was so. To me, it's like, man, that's that. Even in just the sliver that we got that right at that moment, it was like that. There was good fruit out of that. There was good uh, exactly. results from that. And that's intentionality. And I think that's where I go back to, um, you know, not hoping that it would just happen, you know, not yeah. hoping, well, maybe we'll inadvertently find some time, but to show up and to say, no, we're doing this. Like we're making an appointment. We're going to make it happen. And the dividends that come, they are beautiful and they're rich. And I think that's where it's important to recognize how that plays out, that you can say, mm. uh, if we show up, like there will be a return. And, and I would say that, you know, even as kind of a final word to those who are listening, it's like, man, you know, the Bible over and over again says things to the effect of uh, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you, ask and it will be given. And we wonder what that practically looks like. Like, how does that play out? And one of the ways that I think it does is just simply being intentional to say, Lord, what you have for me, I'm willing to receive it. And not necessarily connected to exactly the way I think it would be or the way I think it should look, but essentially saying, I'm here for whatever you have. I'm making the appointment. I'm Mm -hmm. showing up, Mm -hmm. but I'm just trusting that you're going to move, you're going to do, you're going to be, you're going to speak, you're going to lead the way you think I need, because you know my heart better than anyone else. And so the hope is that we would show up to that with open-handedness saying, I trust you, God, I'm listening to your voice. I'm listening to your leadership and I I just need you to guide and direct. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's great, and that's a that's an easy that's an easy starting point. Everybody thinks, well, oh, right. I've got to do all these things to get to soul rest, and it's like that's kind of <laughs> you're doing the exact same thing that's depriving you of rest. Rest. You're working on it. You're trying to do it when when right. it just takes a, a shift in your mentality and in and in your expectations there. So you yeah, can, man. So um, to wrap up, I want I want you to tell us real quick about uh, your your new nonprofit. You know, he, you've been. You've been doing the soul rest thing. Looks like you, you know, the the book was been out for a couple of years now, and uh, we're actually going on what three years that this book's been out. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's definitely been kind of uh, an area that that you have felt uh, a need to continue to 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 preach that rest and preach that uh, the the goodness of 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 having living your life that way. And so you've started uh, a new ministry. Tell us uh, about that and how, if, how anybody could get involved with that. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I've realized after writing the book is, one, there are a lot of people who resonate with where I found myself as I started to take that journey. And that was super um, both encouraging in a sense that it felt very crazy to kind of step out and share some of my story, to be honest. Yeah. But it also felt very good to know that um, that level of vulnerability that I tried to display paid off and that a lot of people felt like, this was helping them to realize that they weren't crazy and what they've experienced is, is something that they can have hope that they would find some sort of uh, rest from. And so uh, in, in writing the book and also in my life as a pastor at a local church, I started to realize there isn't a lot of space in between to be able to have conversations about these things. And so my heart was drawn toward the thought of maybe starting some sort of ministry or organization that would afford support uh, and encouragement and uh, a listening ear uh, to people who are in leadership and ministry or find themselves in uh, heavy volunteerism or vocational ministry kind of things, but also for people who are just really wrestling with and struggling with identity, worth, value, maybe symptomatic, you know, things connected to burnout, disillusionment, uh, or just realize I don't want any of those things to be true about my life and I need to figure out how to establish rhythm. So mm. I started a ministry called Find Rest. And that ministry is really centered and focused on the idea of coming alongside people who are spiritually depleted and helping them to find ways to think uh, differently about what it means to follow the way of Jesus uh, in a way that is not built and formed around our production, but more about connection with him. So uh, the website is findrest.org, and uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of different things over time to provide different pathways of community and communion, um, little small groups that I'm doing through Zoom uh, that will help you to connect with other people who are walking through similar things, um, doing some uh, one-day events and some retreats that will allow us to be able to have the conversation as well. So uh, the real focus and the goal, to be honest, is to come alongside under-resourced ministries and communities where though they may have this interest in this conversation, uh, may not have the resources or the time to be able to take so that you can step away for a bit and be able to like really think through some yeah. of these ideas. So I would love to be able to go to some of those under-resourced communities and kind of give myself as a, a resource you know, to be there. So yeah, it's kind of a step of faith in a lot of ways, to be honest. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to all play out, but mm. we'll see. And uh, I, I just feel like the thing that has been certain to me is that 
the Lord has been nudging me toward this conversation and I'm just trying to figure out how to practically implement it in my daily rhythms, you know? That's great. That's great. And I think that's a much needed. We're st- you know, you and I had talked a little bit last time about uh, doing something. And so we're, we're, I'm, we're definitely working on something. I've got some ideas uh, for how we could make that work in this area, because we'd love to have you here to, to kind of share that with, um, with people in our community and, and, you know, other pastors and, and other folks that uh, I think would, uh, would be benefiting from that, uh, in a, in a huge way. So, um, so the, anyway, if you didn't know, if you don't have the, the book, I'll put the link in the description for both fine rest, the, uh, organization and soul rest, uh, the book by Mr. Curtis Zachary CZ has been our guest today on amen, brother Ben It is good to talk to you again, man. Always good to talk to you, bro. Hey, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for, uh, you know, listening when God's speaking. And uh, and I'll, I will put his contact info. I'll put his his personal phone number and social security number in the link in the there description. So you, you just get a hold of him. No. Yeah, no. whatever you need. Yeah, he's got you, man. He's got you. Oh, thanks for coming in today, brother. Well, or not coming in, but coming on. And uh, yeah. we finally squeezed this in. Took us about a week we or two. We did it. <laughs> That's, we are two people that are appropriately full. I see I'm, it. I'm already using, I about said busy. I'm already changing the language. Oh, CZ, we love you, buddy. We'll see you soon. See you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening.